Ayurveds. Welcome to your podcast, the Hyderabad Copcast. This is your host, Pranav. So, we have faced Manchester United and we have crushed our main rivals at the Theatre of Dreams. A win at Old Trafford after seven years, I guess. This must be a high feeling. So, guys, how are you feeling? Fantastic, right? Uh, I was actually scared going into the fixture. Uh, irrespective of... Uh, the need of getting into the Champions League, I mean, getting the top four and all, the Man United, that fixture itself gives me chills, man, especially if it's at Old, Traf- Old Trafford. How many years has it been since we last won? It's been a long, it's been a long time since we won there, right? So, it was, I was very scared and, and the pre-match, uh, uh, I mean, news about uh, Kabak being injured. Which, is, which was a bigger blow, right? I was so scared about Rives coming in and how would he perform and all. And the way we started also was very <laughs> feeble, right? I mean, the first 10 minutes, I thought that, okay, gone. The lineup was midfield overload from Man United, okay? And uh, our defense is so weak. I, I was expecting Pogba and Fred to run riots around them our midfield and the defence. And it happened as well. So, after they scored their first goal, I mean, if you look at it, it was not a classy goal or something like movement, classy movement or something like that. Yes, there was some classy movement, but again, it was a deflection. So, mm. and after that, I, I was sure that, okay, unless and until our forwards turn up, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Thanks to Nat Phillips, man. He started... <laughs> the riot. <laughs> True, that's there. I mean, it's it's the um, you know um, overall performance was really good from all the ends, from defense to midfield to to the um, uh, attack. Um, what I really see as a positive is that you know um, we won at Old Trafford, and if you look at a team strength, I can say that you know apart from our front line, we literally played with our um, bench. We really don't have, you know, the, the first team players into it um, like we used to have last year. So that gave us, you know, a lot of comfort in terms of, you know, going into the next season and, and you know, looking at this quality. And um, individually, there are a lot of positive for um, Trend as well because uh, I saw a Garrett Southgate, he was watching that match. So I'm sure that, you know, the performance which he delivered in that match certainly, uh, you know, concrete his place in the upcoming Euros. Yeah, so strangely, our forwards played very well. For the last month, for the last two months, our team has been playing very well, but we are not really finishing our chances. So I've been a really big optimist, but the Newcastle game completely killed my optimism. And our forwards like didn't finish anything. They couldn't even finish their dinner on the day. So, but surprisingly, on the United's game, all our four forwards had a really very good game. And we have been strangely, Anta. <laughs> and and we have we have been very clinical. And we finished most of our chances that we got. And that's been the big difference. And I, be, I believe more than injuries, our profligate forwards has been the difference between the last season and this season. If our forwards have been more clinical, I believe we still would have been finishing in the top 10. We would have, we would have been in the Champions League semi or the finals. So that... Uh, to a certain extent, I do agree. But again, see, our forwards have been, I mean... Pretty, pretty poor. I mean, they were piss poor, huh? to be honest. Yeah. There was a time when Salah was missing even open goals. 
mean, I'm not even going to Mane over here. Okay, or Firmino, for that matter of fact. Okay, I mean, yes, but again, our injuries have hampered our progress for sure. No matter what, the number of chances we created between January till end of January was very, very less. Okay, and seven losses in a row is not a joke. So that was pretty bad. That phase actually six killed our hopes. Six of them coming at Anfield. Six of them coming at Anfield was like true. literally a dagger to the heart. True, true, absolutely, absolutely. And <clears throat> I mean, our hopes of now <laughs> getting into top four also, I mean, hang by what do we call it? Our defense being stable and our forwards being prolific as well. It's it's a two way thing, right? What would have happened if Man United or our our good guy Greenwood scored that goal? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, we the uh, scenario would have been different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. So actually, we created good number of chances and they finished and they finished very well. Like very good chances, we have been finishing. We haven't been finishing in the previous games, but we did actually in the Man United. That was the key difference that I noted. We never do things easily, right? As Klopp said, he doesn't remember any season wherein it was easy in the last four games. It seems <laughs> that bugger. Seriously, man, he's he has been giving heart attacks since the last four years. He has been here. But actually, one <laughs> only one last season was an exception. <laughs> one good thing which we had was in the last game we went behind and still we came back, and that too fielding Nat Phillips and Reese Williams for I mean ahead of United's front four, and I I thought we had no chance after we. Considered one, but we showed tough mentality and we came back. That was really surprising. True, true, absolutely. Guys, so after all the ruckus, after all the fuss about his performances, how good was Trent Alexander-Arnold on the night, defensively and offensively? So as I said, he he suddenly concreted his place into the Euros. I mean, his ball delivery and and the way he defend. I mean, he he's all over the pitch. He had two shots on target. So I'm sure that you know his his performance. He actually you know uh, must be thinking about that spot in the uh, England team. And and that's how uh, you know he impressed his his England boss overall. Yeah, Gareth Southgate was definitely watching that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I think he was uh, there on the pitch just to watch Mason Greenwood and and Trent. <laughs> there, yeah. there are no other players that you know who was played. Gareth Southgate should put up a press conference and give a public apology to Trent. He was that good that day. You know, exactly. some, of passes, some of his passes to Mane, Salah, and and Jota were absolutely out of this world. I mean, he was controlling the game from right back, man. So he's been absolutely amazing. And there are two creative players. One penalty merchant on their side, and Alexander Arnold in our side, and he has shown who is the boss. From right back, he was controlling the game, and the other guy was diving left, right, and center. Yeah, and in that game, uh, I mean, you know, uh, you must have noticed that you know again we have seen that you know left back to right back sort of a passes. There were two or three that sort of a pass, pass you know, which Trent uh, Alexander passed from his side to um, um, Robertson. So that explains that you know again he he's going back into the same fashion and then trying to deliver more and more and and that switch play. Hey, one thing uh, I don't know if you guys have looked, I mean analyzed it or not. See, I know it's a different ball game altogether playing in the midfield uh, when compared to a right back. But Trent has all the qualities. If you observe, he has all the qualities to uh, play in the midfield. 
just that he needs to improve his discipline with respect to i mean the what do you call it position to be precise if he can improve his positioning and little bit more discipline with respect to control of the ball i'm sure that that guy would be a gem in midfield he has all the attributes i guess uh, i guess trends move to midfield is inevitable in the future i mean it it, it shouldn't be delayed to be honest he's in the right he's at the right age, age. proper exactly. age and we are uh, in a position wherein we can actually play him as well see with jinay moving out we can utilize strength maybe next year might be uh, what do you call it transition phase he might yeah. just like how we moved milner between left back and midfield whenever we need it okay we can do that with trent but again there's a risk involved in it right so if we have to develop him as a midfield his training will be focused on being a midfield and when especially if we don't have when we don't have a proper right back okay that's a risk that's where maybe klopp will have to i agree i mean you know there are so many great examples that you know where um, players you know first played at at one position and later you know came out really well gareth bale is the classic example of that but um i mean looking at you know the way trend alexander plays and you know how exactly he he position himself so if you look him as a um, you know full back you will find him one of the best in the world but i don't think that you know if you just play him in the midfield he can do the job but he may not be the best in the world i sort of have a different point of view i believe klopp's system heavily depends on full backs being creative unless we find a proper replacement for trent we can't move him to midfield i think he'll do extremely well in the midfield since he's very young he'll only learn i think the only problem he has when he's playing in midfield is his defensive positioning so that if he improves on that i think he'll improve it improve on it under klopp but i believe unless we find a proper right back we can't move trent into midfield and exactly. i don't think and i don't think we'll we get a better, anyone yeah, yeah. yeah. i don't think we'll get a better right back than trent right So I think for the foreseeable future, like the next two seasons, I still see Trent being a right back for us. So a brilliant win boosts our chance of top four. And do we have it in our own hands? Uh, what depends on the Leicester Chelsea game, guys? Can someone walk me through? Yeah, sure. So I have done some math. So absolutely, it's a, it's in our own hands if we win all three matches. So if you look at the situation, um, um, Kevin Table. Leicester and Chelsea both have to play two games. Uh, Leicester at 66 and Chelsea at 64. So l- let's say that you know. L- let's talk about hypothetical situation. If Chelsea win at Leicester, then they will be at 67 points, and and there is a high possibility that you know if Chelsea win at Leicester and they will win at um, um, Aston Villa as well, the last match. Uh, I think it's with Aston Villa, I, but but with the lower team. but with leicester uh, i mean they they have little bit advantage even if they manage to draw against chelsea so they will move to 67 point and last match they have against tottenham so <clears throat> that's where you know things become really critical if we win all three matches and then you know th- th- there could be a possibility that you know where we get into a tiebreaker sort of a situation where goal difference will come into the picture and, and trust me even the goal difference it's so tight so if you look at the current goal difference leicester at 21 chelsea at 22 liverpool at 20 so it, it's going to be really crazy so definitely we have to win all three matches and and then uh, i'm sure that you know um, if we do that then suddenly we will qualify 
Yeah, I would like to add on to Syed. So if we divide them into three scenarios where Chelsea versus Leicester game, and we look at the worst possible scenarios in each cases, if Chelsea win against Leicester, Chelsea and Leicester can finish with 70 and 16 points respectively. So which is probably the worst case for us. And even in even in that case, we have we will have a better goal difference than Leicester if we win our remaining three fixtures. But if Chelsea if they draw against Leicester, Chelsea and Leicester can finish with 68 and 70 at max. So if we win our three games, we'll definitely be in the top four. And if Leicester yeah. If Chelsea win against Leicester, if, if Leicester win against Chelsea, then Chelsea can only go till 67 and Leicester can go to 72 points. So in two of the three cases, we win three games, we'll go through to the top four. And even in the even even if Chelsea win, the worst case for us, even then if we win the three games on goal difference, we'll go through. So win three games on goal difference. In any way, we'll go through. We are getting wrong. So in ca- to conclude, to conclude, we have to. We have to win all our games. We have to win three. It's a big, big fat if if we win. So, can we win the three fixtures? Definitely, yes. I See, I mean, the way we have played uh, against United, okay. I mean, if we cannot emulate that, I don't think we'll be, we, we deserve to be in top four, right? If you cannot, I mean, play to that level, if you cannot beat the likes of teams who are already relegated okay then i don't think you would be deserving to be in the top four. so yes we should be able to beat them exactly that that's the whole point right i mean the three fixtures what we have those teams have nothing to play for west Brom is it's already out burnley they have secured their position and i think the last match what we have that's crystal, with, palace. Uh, crystal palace at home so I mean, for them, it's it's, it's going to be a pre um, pre to pre match sort of a situation where they just need to you know explore more options and all against a good team. But um, I just you know heard what uh, Sam uh, Allardyce need to say. So technically, he's planning to park a bus. I really don't understand that that work ethics, but that that's the whole point. I mean, those teams have nothing to play for, and um, we we have everything to play for. And on the other hand, if you look at you know the the other two teams, Chelsea and Leicester, they have tough fixtures. Okay, so I'll I'll take it up. So in we have next three fixtures as West Brom away, Burnley away, and Palace at home. So on the paper they look really easy fixtures, and they're actually on the beach. But I have a slightly different point of view. Like West Brom away, they are already relegated. They could actually play for pride. And Burnley away, they're having their fans in the stadium after like one and a half years. So that would be a difficult game. At the same time, Palace at our home could be the last game of management for Roy Hodgson. So they could give it all for their manager. So the dread has already come in for me already. But on paper, there is there is a huge difference between the quality of us and them. And we should we should roll them over on our current form. All these scenarios remind me of RCB fans and the tables they draw. Oh my God, what have we become? <laughs> But actually, if you look at the teams, West Brom and Palace, they consider a lot of goals. West Brom have considered the most number of goals in the Premier League and Palace have also considered a lot of goals. And one dangerous thing is all three teams are very good in set pieces. That worries me. Hey, one thing you need to remember over here is that West Brom do with as well. That itself is silly. <laughs> oh. So you cannot go back and say these guys have worse defences. Okay, They are playing Liverpool. This means more for them also. <laughs> We are forwards are in worse form. It's better to put in that way. <laughs> so the, finally, the season is coming to an end. It's that time of the season. 
player of the season guys whom do you have so i would nominate uh, two players nat philips and mosala and my pick would be mosala i understand that yeah. he has actually missed so many chances in the big games but he has scored 30 goals like in this season when we are actually underperforming he has scored 30 goals and 5 assists and 21 in the premier league I mean, the man is insane and we have to give him how, how much ever he, he asks for on the contract agree so even my nomination includes mosala and the second nomination what i have is is jota i mean he he can be the uh, premier league signing of the season we can say if, if we just discount few of man city players but yeah mosala i mean the way he performed although you know uh, a front three are, are not really there for each other but still he managed to uh, score 21 goals in the premier league and and in the champions league as well so absolutely he stand um, a stand out player for me and um, he is leading for the golden boot as well so my vote is it's also with mosala yeah the no, same with me <clears throat> uh, i mean there were times when i used to i mean curse mosala for been missing out pretty easy chances i mean even now i uh, hate him for doing that there were scenarios there were games wherein uh, he missed sitters at critical points of time but again he also scored uh, goals in critical moments Yeah, I mean, without his goals, <laughs> I don't know where he would have been, you know. So, on the, on the contrary, if he had scored that opening goal in semi-final, I mean, quarter-final against Real Madrid, and also in the Newcastle, had he finished the chances, we would have still been much higher in the league, and also would have still been in the Champions League semi-final. But having put, this, but actually having put this, as, if you put this aside, he actually overperformed his xG. So he he has been scoring really great goals, though he's missing missing sitters. I think. we should actually expect more from our front three as well i think mosala has done his job and he's done his job better than most of the players in the squad so i think he is the perfect pick for the player hey the come on yes of course our front three have to do their job but we are picking a player of the season right they are not even in contention <laughs> yeah true true so see that's what i'm saying see sala he is our player of the season because he is the better of the worst okay everyone has been piss poor this season i mean our injuries didn't help either See, Thiago came in. Uh, we expected, uh, I mean, missiles from him right from the beginning. But I mean, it didn't happen because of the injuries. I mean, if he would have had uh, Fabinho and Henderson alongside him, he would have. It would have been so easy for him to jump. Okay, but that didn't happen. <clears throat> and same is the case for Jota as well. But again, luckily for for us, Jota jumped in pretty quickly. I mean, the maybe out of necessity or something. In a way, he. Uh, what do you call it? He helped other forwards to perform better as well. Jota. I mean, we depended on him uh, for a certain period of time in the beginning of the season, and his goals were very crucial for us to stay at the top. I mean, be at the top till Christmas. Post that, post Jota's injury, and once even Henderson got injured, our midfield and forward line have literally. I mean, yeah, yeah. they were pretty bad. Yeah, taking. a little bit from your point i would also like to make a case for nat philips because we are struggling with injuries at the back and we are playing fabinho and henderson in the midfield in the defense i i i just wonder what would have happened if klopp had trusted nat earlier had he be, had he been playing him from the christmas in the center back so that we could have had fabinho at number 6 absolutely that's a pretty good point you have made 
that is what I was trying to make. I mean, that is what I was trying to get to when I was speaking about Henderson being played at the center at the center back. See, he would have <coughs> made those harsh decisions or those difficult decisions in the beginning of the season. Klopp, he didn't do that. Maybe Matt would have had a better chance to be a player of the season if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he hardly played half the season, and he's in contention for us, right? Yes, become a sort of cult hero, man. No, the the clearances, the headers he does. No nonsense centre back. Absolutely no nonsense centre back. Yeah, perfect old school. Perfect old school. Hippie, Carragher, something of those sorts. So to sum up, our player of the season unanimously is Mo Salah, with honourable mentions to Jota, Nat Phillips, and Fabinho. Guys, uh, I'd like to talk about one particular decision at the start of the season. We decided not to replace Dian Lovren, and that came back to haunt us. In the next window, our first step is being done to rectify that. Ibrahima Konate, the RB Leipzig centre back, the youngster with immense pace, we're we're in for him. And there are rumours that we have triggered a re- release clause. Recently on Instagram, Konate has removed the tag that he was an RB Leipzig player. With all the signs, it's just becoming obvious that he's coming to us. What do you feel about Konate? The Liverpool fans are actually very good at stalking players on social media, aren't they? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's a very big uh, mistake. I mean, I never thought I would say this in my life that I, I would miss Dejan Lovren. But I actually did in this season. That was a huge mistake not to replace Dejan Lovren. And we should not re- uh, repeat this mistake in the next season. So, we need to get a backup for Alisson and also a backup for Trent Alexander-Arnold. But coming about Konate, from from the limited matches, whatever I've seen, he's really good in his ball carrying ability. He's really strong in the air and he's really quick. So he will exactly suit our ball playing style and also our high line defense. So I think he'll be a good purchase. But only caveat is that he has uh, he has had a problem history of long injuries. Not many injuries, but big long injuries. So that's my only problem. With him. There comes the catch. <laughs> <laughs> and also the injury prone thing is kind of a myth because the long injuries he has been sidelined with each injury belongs to a different part I mean few are from hard tackles few are from muscle injuries so they're not the same recurring injuries that's the one we can take heart from unlike someone you know unlike someone you know who won't be named Nabi Keita no, forget about Nabi Keita I mean we already forgot about Nabi Keita but <clears throat> see uh, I guess one of the injuries that he had, one muzzle injury he had, the recur- that was a recurring one. He was almost sidelined for a year due to that, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, just, just look things in a positive perspective. He's like he's clocked one of he's like one of the fastest center back, three fast center backs in Europe, and he's under 21 now. Like and only Dilit has played more Champions League games than Panate. So in at 21 years age, we are getting bundles of experience and bundles of potential. And under clock, he'll only improve. See, I don't want to. I don't want to kill or steal your thunder, man. But see, I'll tell you one thing. I don't see. Uh, uh, the only reason the pace is so important for us is because we play Highland. But if you are tactically good, see when Matip plays, I don't see him being pacey. But his positioning, his reading of the game, is so exceptional that we. I mean, we somehow. Uh, look good when Matic plays alongside Van Dijk. Same is the case with Van Dijk as well. Most of the game is being, I mean, the defensive game is done by the way you read the game. So if Konate is as good as Klopp thinks he is with respect to reading of the game, especially the reading of the game, 
then we <coughs> might be in for a trade yeah i do agree but given the circumstances would you want to keep come back if you send konate as well if if you ask me keep how many center backs you want as possible because see this season we have we have five center backs injured so i'm not sure so let's have kabak as well and i guess we will we uh, mean we might be we cannot trust matip as well right he's almost always injured do do actually so and also returning from long term injuries we don't know how joe gomez and van dyke can do from game 1 so if we do keep kabak and if konate comes we can start kabak and konate in the league early on in the next season Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, even maybe yeah. Van Dijk might be back because he is focusing completely on preseason, right? So I am sure. Skipping Euro. Yeah, skipping Euro as well. So I am sure that Van Dijk will be back by next season. I am hundred percent sure about that. Uh, he will be starting a first game. Uh, maybe we don't know if it's alongside Konate or uh, Matic or Gomez. Just the words you love to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I actually love Matic to bits. I think his positional sense is amazing and is very good in the air. and is is a good person his reading of the game is excellent but i can't trust him his body is letting him letting him down too many times so i don't mind even if we sell matip and if we have van dyke gomez kabak konate and philips as our five first choice center backs i mean you, there is no point in selling matip i mean he's in the last stage of his career i don't think so we we get much so rather than you know keep an experience uh, full back with you even though if you're not playing him much but he's it's going to be a great value add to to overall training and and you know uh, to to the young lads especially looking at the age of ibrahim uh, conte so i think keeping matip makes sense but yeah i mean how often he going to play for us that that's always questionable yeah keeping matip makes sense but if it's a choice between keeping matip or signing kabak i would probably go with the latter yeah It's brilliant, guys. So we touched on all the main points of today's podcast, and uh, we are looking forward for three huge games. These games can make or break our season. So, guys, we'll meet you on the other side. Till then, keep listening to our podcast, Hyderabad Copcast. This is your host, Pranav, signing off. Stay home, stay safe. Thank you.